Welcome to The Village Lantern, a podcast for families living with hidden challenges such as autism and other neurodiverse conditions, and for anyone else wanting to understand, love and support. Our mission is to build understanding, empathy and love for families living with one or more children who have hidden conditions that make life harder one way or another. We call this Extra Zing. When my daughter was diagnosed as on the autism spectrum, our paediatrician, I think I've said this before, she says, it's just a personality type. And I thought that was really powerful, that's really stuck with me, because I think that's what you're saying. It's just part of how you experience the world and how you respond to the world, which is in many ways personality. And so then it is about understanding that. And so if in the current model, a diagnosis helps with that, and I know again, for some people they don't want it, it's a label, there's a whole lot around it and that's very personal. But from our experience, and I think you and I share this, the more we can understand, then we can help and we can try and find that way of living as you are, instead of trying to adjust. In the spirit of reconciliation, Takes a Village acknowledges the traditional custodians of country, here on the lands of the Boon Wurrung and Wurundjeri Woi Wurrung peoples of the Eastern Kulin Nation, as well as throughout Australia, and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. Hi. Hi. How nice. Isn't it? It's peaceful. Do we feel like not we're because in... of you, Shah? Sorry, that's. Oh <laughs> no, Shah's not here. The peace is around children, not around beautiful Shah. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Although she would love it here. Yeah, I know. Oh, we miss her. Uh, we have yeah, just the two of us today, um, and we've got a new layout. I know. <laughs> it's my typical ADHD, like always trying to do something different. Yeah. But I think this is good. And, and we comes... the entire podcast studio mm-hmm. while we were gone. Yeah. Yeah. Keeps me sane. Yeah. Something I can control. Yeah, which is a good segue into what we're talking about today. Yes, it is. It is. Today we thought we would talk about ADHD. Yeah. Obviously we're not experts, so there's our disclaimer. But it lived is. Experience lived lens. experience yeah. lens. Yeah. And obviously there's a lot of momentum at the moment publicly about better awareness of it. Yeah. Lots of women getting diagnosed in particular when their children are getting diagnosed. Yeah. And it's not very hard to find people talking about it yeah. if you want to go on socials. Yeah. And so we thought let's do a shorter chat in the absence of Shah. We don't want to miss any conversations that she would love her to be here for. Yeah. But um, so how ADHD affects my family mm-hmm. is... I have combined type, diagnosed when my eldest son was diagnosed with inattentive type when mm-hmm. he was 10. My daughter has ADHD along with autism, spectrum disorder, and my youngest is combined like yeah. me. Yeah. And your story? My story is um, my eldest was diagnosed with ADHD before autism and... We joke sometimes that it always starts It always with starts with that, yeah, totally, um, with inattentive type and then my middle child with hyperactivity and my youngest was last year with combination. Mm. Um, but just to clarify as well, they're the, I suppose they're the 
the DSM five now doesn't actually characterize uh, no, those I don't three think, traits. No. no, but it's really helpful to yes. understand. So maybe we can explain first of all what ADHD looks like yeah. when you have those different types, yeah. which may or may not be now officially what psychologists uh, yeah. use. But I don't it's know really that they. If, I don't know enough oh, about the history the of it. Like okay. I, I, we, when we, when our di- kids were diagnosed, they didn't tell us which type it was. It was mm. just as I got to understand more about it that I could see yeah. how different it was. Yeah, I know with my middle child, that was the only one that I knew I, I could see what the type was because when the psychologist went through the process and showed me um, the sort of rankings Mm. against each of the criteria according to what we'd filled out, what the teachers had filled out. He only just got over that line for some sections and other sections was was under the the diagnosis kind of line. Is that right? Yeah, which would, and the thing, those things were the inattentive types. Right, because they're trying to test for all the things. Yeah, so he didn't say your child has hyperactive type, but I could just see that area where we went into the red zone or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Compared to the other parts. Yes. And what, can you remember what the inattentive type questions were? No. So you're saying, does he have executive functioning challenges? Um, So great question. Why don't we step back and actually yeah. define what executive yeah. function is? Because I think that was something I didn't fully understand at the time. Neither did I. That was why I resisted. I didn't resist acknowledging that he had it, but probably why I wasn't pushing for it and why the psychologist said, hang on a second, I think he's got ADHD. And I was like, you felt said, like, I know what ADHD is and yeah. I can't see certain parts of it. Totally. Yeah. And I was like, he's got great executive function because I interpreted executive function to be just about the ability to organise. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And that's right. So I. While I struggle with it, I can, and so can my youngest. But, yeah, executive, I mean, again, we're not experts, but what was your preconceived idea about what executive functioning yeah, was? Well, my preconceived idea was that the ability to organise your life. Mm. So, and just as, as simply as that, like, I can do that well, my middle child can do that well, so therefore neither of us have ADHD. But what I then and since have understood that it's, it's, yes, it's about a goal. So that's the language that you might mm. use is at reaching that goal. To be able to organise yourself towards achieving towards a goal. goal. Yep. But within that goal, it's about your ability to organise, prioritise, mm. um, emotionally regulate. Focus? And focus. Is that part, right. So you're saying that your middle child yeah. doesn't have trouble focusing? Doesn't have on when stuff it's he doesn't like. So yeah, so mm. that's the, so that is that was where the ADHD came in yeah. because I'd say to the psychologist, oh my gosh, but he can focus on football and he can yeah. talk about this, you know, and, and hyperfocus. He does. He can do his maths and and his English assignments because he'll just choose them about choose the topic of football. Right. And he'd be Genius. like, he'd be like, because ADHD is an interest based, and I don't want to use the disorder because I think that's not the correct. Term, it's so frustrating that it's called a disorder, I suppose, but is an interest-based yeah. issue. So yeah. if you have the interest, you have enough dopamine and enough I uh, think that desire. relates to the focus element yeah. of the, if you're saying you don't want to say focus element is a disorder, is that the bit that you don't like no, to say? No, I just don't like to generally, yeah. Yeah, it's a funny one because I, it depends how you hear the word disorder. Yeah. Like does it mean, because actually I, maybe I'm very visual, I think it's a disordered brain function. It's a disordered brain function. Which, yeah, in yeah. fact, in that sense, you know, I probably would say there are some disorder, only in comparison to typical, yeah, right? But yeah. I don't see it necessarily as a negative thing. Maybe that's why it's a sensitive term for some people because mm. it feels like it's a negative overlay. Mm. And then, you know, when I was in the ADHD course, which I know you're doing now, yeah. 
I learned a lot because I come in and I'm older, I suppose, as well, and I've come to terms with it and I've done a lot of work to manage it. But I was saying, oh, I think it's a gift. There's all these amazing things. And a couple of people said, I don't see it like a gift. Yeah. It's actually ruining my life. Yeah. So I'm really sensitive now to the fact that, and in that context, they would call it a disorder because yeah. it's helpful to not to acknowledge it as something negative because it's so detrimental to their life. Yeah, yeah. I think I need to, to think about what was the why I don't like the word disorder. It wasn't that it doesn't have negative implications. It's more, can we find better words to describe mm. what? Well, that's, like, same with ASD, like, that's awful. It's a diversity, isn't it? Right? spectrum. Yeah, and I know. It's just, you know, so how do we yeah. find something that, well, I think I like the word I am autistic and I am an ADHDer. Yeah. You know, they're, they're really yeah. positive identity-based ways to yeah. describe it. Oh, my gosh. Do you know what you just made me realize? Mm. Yesterday I listened to this amazing interview James Valentine has this series on ABC Listen called, gosh, now I can't remember what it's called. It's okay, you added to It's about meaning. It's about, he interviews people about meaning. Mm. Well, what is meaningful to them and what do they um, believe? Yeah. It's about belief. Yeah. It's the most brilliant series. Everyone who gets on are just, there's so much in there. But one of the guys, and of course I can't remember his name, I don't know, I think it's George Miller, the filmmaker. Yep. yep. He says, and this is learned from other thinkers, he, he references all the thinkers where he gets his ideas from, that he says he sees being alive as a verb, not a noun, mm. which is sort of like what you're just saying. So instead of I have ADHD, mm. I, am I am autistic or yeah. I, am, I am an ADHD because it defines how you are, ah, not, yeah. what, not what you are. Yeah, I don't like the idea that something's put upon us, like yeah. I have it or I've... Also, you, know, you can't get rid of it, right? You can't get rid of it. It's like it's part of your identity. So I, you know, I suppose that's the difference. And it's the community uses many different languages. None of that is right or wrong, but I like the identity-based strength-based Yeah, based and that's definitions. your preference for how you want to talk yeah. about it. So. And so it's like I'm autistic and I was identified as autistic at this time. Yes. Not I was diagnosed or yes. I, I was told I had it. It was yeah. like uh, at that point was when I understood. Yeah, identified. I identified my ADHD. Yeah. Because yeah. I think that's really powerful for our, you know, the community to yeah. say that because you're, you're, yeah, it's just a strength-based it's way a of. It's a revelation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, well, when I, I know we're going, jumping a bit all over the place, but when my daughter was diagnosed as on the autism spectrum, our paediatrician, I think I've said this before, she says it's just a personality type. And I thought that was really powerful. That's really stuck with me because I think that's mm. what you're saying. It's mm. just part of how you experience the world and yeah. how you respond to the world, which is in many ways personality. Yeah. And so then it is about understanding that. Mm. And so if in the current model a diagnosis helps with that, and I know, again, for some people they don't want it, it's a label, there's a whole lot around it and that's very personal, but from our experience, and I think you and I share this, the more we can understand, yeah. then we can help and we can try and find that way of living as you are yeah. instead of trying to adjust. And that's the difference between like that neuroaffirming, so you're, it's your identity or it's a, you know, your personality or whatever yeah. you want to describe it. It's not a, a disorder that you need to cure mm. and fix because mm. it, it's you. Well, you can't. You can't. That's what I mean. Yeah. So therefore changing the language around that changes the idea. Well, it's me, so how can we work out accommodations if I need them or just to affirm that this yeah. is who I am and yeah. this is, you know, how it presents itself. Yeah. So let's go back because you're good at structure and I'm not <laughs> about you wanted to quickly talk about the different types. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And once again, I'm no expert, so this yeah. is all related to us. So that was really the only way that I could see that he was different to the other two. Yes. Where, because, because did you did. say, but I thought you said number one was 
inattentive. Yeah. And number two, two is hyperactive. Yeah. And number three is combination. Yeah. 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 So they all present differently. Yes. So number three, my third chart is like textbook. Yeah. Like, like now, me. Yeah. Right. Textbook. Yeah. Now that I have a textbook and I'm studying it, <laughs> I understand. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the impulsivity yeah. is really a massive challenge and that's when the Ritalin helps. So that's what's incredible about that, that when you're so impulsive. That's yeah. what that does. It doesn't solve it but no. it just stops those urges. Yeah. And I think um, there's something that I learned as well, that that stimulant medication, this is a good comeback for people who might not want to give their children this, but that stimulant medication is actually a protector against substance abuse. Oh, yes. that's so rather interesting. Than it, rather than that argument that it maybe could, quite religious people or people who are against medication would say, oh, it's just a precursor, like you're just giving them, you're going to get addicted to this. Mm. It's like, no, because it's stopping the impulsivity. Mm. And for most people it does, not everyone. Yeah. There it are, can really help yes. with then potential for addiction, yes. which is a massive problem, as yes, we know. massive. Like, yeah. And I think there are cases of abuse People of who, course. you know what I mean? So people who who use it and they're, it's the right thing for them, but actually they take it too far. So I yeah. think that's the other reason that, it, you know, it's a bit, there's concern around it. And even for some people that I've met along the way who their doctors prefer not to prescribe a stimulant mm. because they have a previous history of drug abuse, oh, even yeah. though they, you know, so or because e- they were self-medicating, right, or, yeah, or they eating won't, disorders. Yeah, there's, there is definitely strict rules yeah. around, not rules, but like psychiatrists and doctors don't want to give that stimulant yes. if there's other things going on yes. for you and they'll try other methods. Yes. Yeah, because sure. we're all complex humans and whether we maybe we all share a diagnosis of ADHD, but we also have a past and a history and a pattern and a, and a tendency, yeah. Um, which, yeah, it can play out differently. Yeah. 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 So you said so for your youngest with combined, the Richelands really help with the impulsivity? It's been amazing. And I think um, we, we have this family kind of joke where maybe a couple of years ago we were all talking about neurodiversity and neurodivergent members of our family and the littlest one was like, but I don't have that. And we were like, oh, you don't, you're, you're not. Oh, you before don't have they before. were diagnosed. And they bring that up all the time. Saying, Mum, remember that time when you didn't think I was neurodivergent? <laughs> and, and what I have since realised, and I've spoken to you about this, Anna, is that they had quite severe anxiety, um, separation anxiety and anxiety around particular things, freeways and, mm. and sleep and everything. That's like my third, yeah. Yeah, and once we got that under control, thank God for therapy and medication for that, I always say, then your true self came out yes. and your true self is this beautiful person with all of this <laughs> impulsivity. And, and I'm really tired. Yeah, and, and you know, all the things yes. that you are yes. that was being held back by that anxiety. Yes. And, and so we didn't see that, like, from when you were really little. Yeah. You were obviously really anxious and now that we've got that under control, this is you and that's great and let's work out how to yeah. how to help you be yeah. the best you can be with ADHD. Yeah. But that's why we didn't see it. Yeah, my third has always had those issues. Do you remember when we were at your family's place once and you guys, we were, I was so consumed with this. the middle one who was more demanding, more had higher need earlier. And the little guy was like a, a little boy calling out to me desperate and I was like, hang on, hang on, hang on. And you guys were like, um, and? And I was like, I hadn't even thought I of like, it. I think he's really anxious. <laughs> so anxious and always has been. Yeah. But you know what I think about, and he's combined type, turns out, so the, one of the other things that my amazing psychologist often talks about, I think it's her. Oh, my gosh, there's so many people I talk mm, to. Could be a podcast or your, could be or your therapist. That's all the different like amazing the same thing. <laughs> that it's not attention deficit, it's attention yeah. overload. Yeah. So actually 
there's too many things that you're paying attention to. Mm. It's not that you can't, it's that it's, you can't discern which one to which ones to cut out. And I think in that instance when you're fearful of things, it's because you're seeing it all. Mm. You know, my little guy used to be really fearful going into the local shopping mall because it had one of these glass roofs mm. that was looked like a wave or something. And he just looked up and said, Well, that's why is that not gonna fall down? Yeah. And if you were completely inattentive and not noticing anything, you wouldn't have those issues. Yeah. And, and I, think I think that's the best, the, like that's the the positive thing we have to harness with, our, with people with combination. If they can move through that being awful and anxious and whatever, that's almost your career path is noticing that you, you can notice all these incredible things other people can't. Yeah. Whether it's patterns, whether it's, you know, in a room, whether it's visual. Like yeah. I see that with my littlest, notices everything. Yeah, and you see like, the big picture, boom, boom, boom. right, because you see it all. And I don't know if this, of course, nothing applies to everyone, but yeah. I think one of the things I've started to notice about people who have combined type is that they're very good at seeing the big picture. And actually when you think yeah. about how to teach them, for example, children or, or if you want to teach something new, you have to tell the big picture first where the thing that you're learning fits in yeah. because it has to make sense. And there's so much benefit to thinking like that. Mm. I've noticed a lot of adults who have combined type end up in entrepreneur roles. Yeah, definitely. You know, yeah. or, or leadership roles, hospitality, well. yeah, that, you know, business. Yeah. holding it all there. Yeah. And it, the more stress and the more pressure, the more you thrive. Yeah, emergency doctor. Yes, like emergency, emergency nurse, nurse emergency, doctor. Yeah. Ambos. Anything yeah. that where there's a crisis. And I know, I've, I still notice that now. I am absolutely at my best in a crisis. Yeah. Thankfully, I have them all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so. And do you know why? Because I... I started focusing on this this week with the study that I'm doing and and I also heard Osher Gunsberg on the Imperfects. Oh, I haven't listened yet. Yeah. And he talked about how we're, yeah, in a cry, like live TV is yes. the perfect yes. for an ADHD because you've got all these messages in your ear around stand here, do this, mm-hmm. welcome this person, introduce whatever. And he said, and I just feel really calm. Yeah. So And really alive. And really alive. You know? And what that's about is I've worked, I figured it out with the help of other ADHDers and, and this course is that you have so much stimulation mm. happening, mm. you don't need to seek it anymore. Yes. So you are. That's why oh. you feel so alive and connected. And you're so calm. Yes. Because, and also you're not a future thinking person with ADHD yes. usually. So you're in the moment. Yep. You're calm. You've got all the stimulation. You're not seeking it. Yeah. And you can just problem solve, and which is what you're good at. Yep. And you haven't, you, it's right now. It's right now. Here so, and now. you know, if I think about what I love about being in that moment is, it's too late for any study that I haven't done or any prep that I haven't done. I'm here now. Yeah. And that, because there's so much I used to carry around, I still do, all this kind of anxiety about what I haven't done enough of mm. in order to be prepared for something. But when you're there and in it, too late, here I am. And that's really freeing, yeah, you know. really freeing. And I think as parents, that's what we have to keep focusing on when our kids with ADHD are struggling or we're finding it a struggle to parent them Mm. is all of those positive qualities because Mm. it's not all positive Mm -hmm. obviously and it's super hard and really frustrating at times for them to live in that brain but he's like okay well this is what this means for you you're so good in that Mm. situation how can I turn this negative difficult thing that you're finding hard at school or at home how can we harness what you're good at and focus on that yeah yeah and how do we help you recognize those so you can seek them as well you know one thing I'm interested given you've got experience with the three types do you see consistently rejection sensitivity dysphoria just for the combination oh really really oh actually sorry I would have thought up until recently that it was just the youngest because the youngest can't 
the rejection sensitivity mm. dysphoria is so full on that it goes to other people. So we can't, like if we see a homeless person up ahead, oh, yeah, yeah. we have to either give them money or walk away because yeah. the pain yeah. is so great. If there's a shop front that has just closed down yes. and it just breaks their heart, yes. you know, and same with friends and everything. But I have noticed it actually with my middle one recently yeah. because it's more around sporting things. Mm. So it's like, okay, well, that sensitivity around didn't get picked for something yeah. or whatever, then yeah. it's just... It's like painful. Yeah. Painful. I see it in all my kids. Yeah. And I definitely understand it about myself now. Yeah. You know, there's a few family stories that everyone tells. I don't remember many of them because I don't remember anything, but there was one about me when I was about 10 when we were overseas and there was a man selling matchsticks on the corner and and apparently I was devastated about that. And my parents were like, oh, that's a sensitive little child. Yeah, Mm. that's kind, sort of whatever. But that is such a stark example for me of what I feel so often Mm. and even in this life and I don't I don't wish I didn't Mm. think like this but it it can be really painful and you do have to find ways to protect yourself you know because otherwise you just get burnt out but even in the experience that we've been having with our middle child where things are really really rough what is happening for me in parallel is I think about all the other families that have a similar situation to us that don't have that don't have the privileges that we have. And Mm -hmm. so in the moment of me having trauma with my child, I'm also like having these parallel traumas, the families who don't speak English or, you know, don't don't know how to, you know, deal with it or haven't got the financial means to do with certain things. So it's kind of like this, it's like I... Double trauma, but I thought that would make you feel better. No. Not better, but like, look, at least we've got... Oh, it does. I do. There's absolute gratitude. At least we can pay for this or we Absolutely, absolutely in that sense. And, And I think maybe that is the other side of that tendency is if you can shift it to build a practice of gratitude you can't go wrong if you have a practice of gratitude in your life no matter who you are so there's I think I love what you're talking about the more that we understand how our children are we teach them how they are and we can find those flip side Mm. strategies that build these amazing traits for them yeah yeah like yesterday we've all been sick so everyone was home yesterday and the um, red cross knocked on the door and it, um, my youngest child was was chatting. He's like, "Mom, you got to come," and I'm like coughing and hello and whatever. And he's like, "Hi, it's great to see you." And he does the big spiel, and I was just like, "I just, I, I, I feel awful, but it's not the time for yeah. us to be signing yeah. up, yeah. you know." Yeah, because they make you sign. It's not like he's got ten bucks. So he did this full spiel. He was he was so articulate. It was really great, he, you know. And he's talking about domestic violence in front of an eleven year old. But anyway, it was really great what he was doing and where the money was going and whatever. My eleven year old turned around and looked at me with this face like beaming just like because you signed up no we're gonna do, so, so yeah we're gonna do this oh, now no. and I was like oh thank you so much but um we already donate to mm. a couple of organizations and I can't see us fitting in another one at the moment shut the door and it, and the look and the reaction that I got from my youngest child was like you are a beast you are <laughs> awful and slammed the door and walked off and then once they'd come, I know, because they were just like hearing all this thing and then thinking this is an opportunity we can give. And then when things had calmed down, I said to them, here's, and I had to show them, here's the things that we we donate to, here are the organisations we donate to, and these are the causes that I feel really passionate about. If you would like us to have a conversation with the family and change those to the Red Cross, I'm happy to have that conversation, but at the moment this is what Dad and I have chosen. That helped a little bit, mm. but in that moment, that for me to reject that person mm. when they had like 
put their, poured their heart out was their job. Yeah. But, you know, about something but was you know, just devastating. You know what I think that is as well, and this is something I'm still working on but I'm getting better, is that because what that child wanted to do was to do something because mm, yeah, we jump yeah. to action. Yeah. If we have really strong feelings, we jump to action. Yeah. Because that, that's action and movement for us is whether it's physical movement or a task or an activity, yeah. that resolves that pain. Yeah. And that sometimes you can act and that's amazing. Sometimes you can act too fast. And I just fast. put a lid on that action then. Well, no, you know, in I their think, mind, like, yeah. no, no, in her mind, their I mean, mind. I mean, yeah. maybe, yeah. yeah. But that's a good thing to talk to them about, you know, to say, I understand that. It took you, a long time because yeah. I was so and, angry. And even if you understand it, it still can take time. Mm. But I think the more that you understand what your default response to something is, sometimes it's the right one and sometimes it's not. And, yeah. of course, if you have impulse control issues on top of that, yeah. There can be a lot of doing, yeah. a lot of doing. And even my psychologist said to me the other day, because I said, oh, I've been manically cleaning. Like I can't do anything for days. And then I get up and I'm like, for three days, I'm like hardcore manically cleaning. Yeah. And you she, come to our house? Um, <laughs> probably, if I got there, I could probably never get there. But if I got there, it would be amazing. <laughs> but what she suggested was that part of what that is, is trying to feel better because of some unprocessed pain, oh. right? It, and because it's avoidant and it also is distracting. And then... So it's not about a control. I had assumed it would be like a control in your environment. Like if my house is clean, things would be okay. There's a bit of that. But I think the compulsion and that sort of obsession, and I, I don't have OCD, but those, those terms help. I'm sure it's many things. Like mm. I definitely feel better when things are organised because yeah. if I can see chaos... And I feel it, it's too much. So yeah. if I can see order, it, that helps. Yeah. But I. Th- it, but she, getting that, having enough interest, is it what the ADHD thing is, the interest to The motivation get. to do it yeah. and then to stop. Yeah. You know, like my old, my eldest, I was running around as in his room, I was cleaning up because his room's a sty because, he, you know, he's a teenager and he has ADHD. And he goes, Mum, just stop. And I said, I can't. I can't. And... I can't remember if it was before or after that I spoke to my psychologist about that and she said building in some time to process the sad things yeah. might help with that because, you know, what happens is you're sort of broken and exhausted, you can't do anything for days and that is partly an issue but also if things are really hard yeah. then you are a bit flat. Then you get started and it becomes this sort of it's too much of a pendulum swing. And then you're tired again, yeah. you know, and then my, I wake up and my back hurts, you know, because I've been like cleaning or doing something for a long time. And the idea of actually sitting, sitting in and the allowing shit, some hurts. of it hurts. It hurts. It hurts, but you gotta. I know. And I don't, I, that's why I like to still go to my psychologist. I'm in a, in a, mostly a pretty good place, I think, but I like to go somewhere where I can sort of be held still to process yeah. because, and I don't like to talk about things too much because um, not only because I'm a bit sick of talking about things, mm. it's been a long time of talking about hard things, but also depending on who I'm talking to, then I also, because I'm highly empathetic, mm. empathic, if, if they have a shocked or sad reaction, then I have to carry that too. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, I don't have any space to make you feel better about what's hard for me. <laughs> That's my thing. But also some of it's just really big. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't really, and I don't really know. And now I'm talking myself out of it and overcomplicating it. But what mm. I think she was encouraging me to do is try and build in some of those moments where you just stop mm. and 
Sometimes you might feel fine or relaxed, but if there are some really sad, deep things in there, just sort of letting them come up. Mm. And sometimes that's why I like watching But you have to be strong enough to do that, don't you think? And obviously she thinks or he or she thinks that you are because if you stop and it all comes up, what happens if you can't deal with it? Yeah. Well, I, you know, I think, you yeah. fall in a heap and you, or you don't leave the house. Yeah, well, I can also fall in a heap by ignoring it. True. You know? I mean, I think it's good advice, but yeah, you, you've got yeah, to have I think some, absolutely. something to, so that you don't fall through the floor. Right, and it's another disclaimer for anyone who's listening. You know, mm. any of those times when you have to face into hard stuff, you want to do it with the right kind of support and help and yeah. advice about whether it's the right time. Yeah. But I think because this is been so long now and the hard things have changed but they they're not getting easier Mm. they're just changing Mm. I think that I need to have an ongoing practice of being able to grieve and process that's more sustainable yeah that's more sustainable and also I'm not a psychologist by any means but you know we've heard enough about how if 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 you're carrying a lot of stuff and you don't process it it comes out some way Mm. and if you know there's going to be more it's sort of like going to the gym or it's like a self-management kind yeah. of mechanism. Yeah, yeah. Having said that, I've just been like manic all morning, but. No, but it's, it's, it's a lot sort of managing all this and then with your own neurodivergent brain. Yes. I think that's, you know, and what I've been really interested in lately is the generational impact mm-hmm. of ADHD because mm-hmm. you have it, and I don't mean generational as in it's passed down, but mm. you have it so you fingers crossed, have a lot of awareness and understanding and empathy for your kids who have it. Yes. But for a lot of parents who don't understand it or they're not diagnosed, there can be a lot of shame and anger towards their children for the way that they're doing things. Mm. And that has a massive impact for, for kids in their, like, their neural pathways as they're developing and they get negative, 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 told off, shame, shame, mm-hmm. shame, shame. By the time you get to a late teen then you've got addiction and mm-hmm. all these other things coming up because you're like, well, I just need to numb that mm-hmm. cognitive hyperactivity or I yeah. need to numb those feelings that I'm useless yeah. because I was told that yeah. growing up totally, the whole time. Totally. Yeah. And I think that what you just said about the parents potentially not coping with it, you know how if you see a trait in your child that you don't like about mm. yourself, yeah. you can be really cross about really it. Really cross. Really Irrationally cross. cross. And that's for all parenting. Yeah. But in this context, it's, yeah, it, it. I mean, I think anything that uh, any sort of negative feedback that a kid's getting, especially from their parents, is going to be damaging. But mm. in that sense, it does take a look in the mirror and to yeah. ask yourself, why am I annoyed about that particular thing? Because that's personal. There's yeah. something about me in that. Yeah. And what? How do I resolve that so yeah. that I'm not passing that down? Yeah. Because you were probably not you, Anna, but as the parent, you were told you were shit and useless and disorganised yes. or whatever as a child, yes. potentially if you're undiagnosed ADHD and you're then Well, you think that's how that. you parent, yeah. right? Because yeah. that's how you were parented. But it is so common the amount of people, friends, friends of friends that have reached out to me that are like, you know, my child is has got ADHD and I don't know what to do because I find them, I can't, I find them, it's just excruciating. Like how do I manage this? What do I do with this? Yeah. And I feel like without going into that deep dive around what it is and that it's not their fault. It's really hard. Yeah. Yeah. I think I said in the interview with my beloved Chris Varney, one of my, I I split it into two, but I said to him, because he said to me that he was working on this issue of being, he had a hang up that he was working on. And I said, I've got one about being annoying, like a deep 
fear of being annoying because I was a hyperactive kid who probably was annoying. And also I had a sister who was not much older than me, so my parents had two toddlers. But I have somehow through, you know, just absorbing and when you're really sensitive to what other people think, Mm. I'm really sensitive to being annoying. Yeah. I talk to my kids about being annoying all the time because I want to take it back. I want to take that word back. Yeah. Because I know exactly what you're saying. I felt like that as a child. Did you? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Fourth child, though. Yeah. And I talked a lot. Yeah. Interrupted people all the time. Mm, I still do. Really? Um, But I talk to my kids. I'm like, people in life who are not neurodivergent or who are not extroverted will find you annoying. Yeah. Other people will not. They will love you. They will embrace your enthusiasm and your extroversion and your, you know, ability to problem solve and all these other positive things. And you will find those people. But the other ones, but I just... I'm not sure if it's... I mean, I don't know that this is what you said, but what I heard was you said if they're not neurodivergent, they will find you annoying. No, Only no, yes. Yeah, some of them. Because some people love it. Yeah. Some people love someone who talks a lot because yeah. then they don't have to talk you yeah, know true. so about yeah, finding yeah. that mix but I think also I said this to one of my children and someone observed to me that it was probably a bit much to try and present to a child but I I think it was my 15 year old I said if someone is being an isn't oh the children were complaining one of them was being annoying to the other and I was trying to describe that if you're annoyed it's your problem mm. not the other pe- oh it's my daughter saying someone says being annoying it's their fault and therefore I'm cracking it because it's really hard for her to separate herself from, and and I've had to learn this the hard way because I have so many irritations and frustrations. Yeah. Everything would annoy me, sounds, things, and now I know that's my problem. Mm. If that's if there's a scenario that I'm getting really triggered and annoyed, I have to take myself out of mm. it. I can't crack it at the person who's annoying me, mm. and that's a really helpful kind of on on a few levels because then that you start to see that it's something that you're experiencing that's within you. Mm-hmm. Now, easier said than done to do something about it, but to not to externalise it that all these people around me are annoying. And so I guess what I'm saying is if there are people in the world who find your kids annoying, that's their problem. Mm. I suppose, yeah, there's two two elements to what we're both saying. It's that I was trying to explain to them that whether it's a personality yes. thing as well, yep. there are people in life who there's personality clashes, yes. so remove the neurodivergent yes. part. But I suppose I added that in because often with ADHD you are hyperactive and mm. you do talk a lot and mm-hmm. you interrupt people. So there's going to be, and there are mm. for all of them, people in their class that find them excruciating. Yeah. <laughs> and if it's your boss, that's yeah, a problem. That's a problem. But right. I didn't want them to yeah. have shame around yes, that totally. and just say that if you find friends and a profession where that is celebrated, yes, then that's the best, that's yeah. amazing. And that's back to that whole issue that we've talked about a lot. School is hell. It's awful. Because you can't control that. Once no. you're out, you can choose your environment, choose your friends, choose your environment, choose who you're around. You yeah. can't do that at school. So it, that's right, you, you know, it's helping them understand the reality of it, yeah. but understanding that there will be a time when you have more control over that yeah. and that's a much better time. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, yeah school, it's just a super-duper challenging for, yeah. for kids who, when they don't. They can't see what the future will be look like and it's not always going to be like it is yes, at school. Yes, right. And and even it's easy for us to say, well, after year 12, but for them that's a lifetime. Mm. You know, we can see it obviously in the scheme of more time, but, yeah, yeah it's really hard. Speaking of time. Yes. Are there, is there anything else? And we could talk about this forever really. Um, I think just I think there's plenty, but what you just <laughs> said about shame. Yeah. Shame, has, have you come up with that in the yeah. course yet? Yeah. Yeah, so shame is a massive one. Yeah. And... Because shame, 
comes from the belief there's something wrong with you. Mm. And I have grappled with shame my whole life, not knowing that that's what it was. And as I've come to understand my wiring and maturity and also just doing a lot of work on self-compassion, I can see now, but it is really the kind of patterns that absolutely can come about. And Mm. it's partly from how people respond to you, but it's also about your rejection sensitivity dysphoria. And it's also about that you think, why can't I do things that other people can do? Mm. So there's a whole lot of elements that lead to shame if the child thinks that they're faulty. Mm. So to your point about the the term disorder, in that sense, that's really unhelpful Mm. because I remember for years, for most of my, all of my childhood, well, in my 40s when I got diagnosed, I just always felt like there was something wrong with me. Mm. And now I know that it's not wrong, it's just different. But when you, if your kids are diagnosed early and you can talk to them early, you can really change that track yeah. of developing deep shame patterns. Yeah, yeah, which is exactly, I was just looking at my notes from the course that I brought with me because I was so excited to talk about ADHD. But there's a very specific obviously your your neural pathways and, you know, thinking about the elasticity of the brain saying that if you do get a diagnosis and therefore help with your executive function before you are an adult and for ADHD is you often don't become a fully developed, you become fully developed a bit later. So that might be mid twenties. For me, I think it's 40. Yeah. yeah. I've got my notes here saying 30. (laughs) Yeah. Well, Um, yeah. Late developer. Yeah. That if you get that support, you can actually improve those neural pathways. Yes. And bring that earlier. I mean, not that it's a race, but yeah. You can improve and through positive and like either it's like rewiring them in terms of the positive framework so you're not shame negative negative but also support around your executive function yes all of those things yeah the earlier that you can and I've been saying this to my youngest because he's so Mm self-critical and I say to him in language that I think is probably digestible for a 10 year old your brain is being really mean to you right now yeah you're trying to do this thing and you're getting really frustrated because you're telling yourself you're not good at it Mm -hmm. so just those little tips of being able to help them separate their thoughts from themselves yes and also you can be embarrassed about something which is um feeling uncomfortable about a situation but you don't blaming it on yourself and shame is that so even if you can start to help them separate that yeah that's embarrassing but it doesn't mean there's something wrong with you Mm. that situation was just so you know I try and help my kids separate you know because I often tell my daughter if she says something nasty to me I say oh, that really hurt my feelings or that wasn't very kind. And she says, you're not very kind. And I said, no, I wasn't saying you weren't. Mm. I was saying that That action action or those, you know, I have to say it a lot, a lot of times, but I think that even that tool for kids to be able to start to help them separate back to this idea of what you are versus what you do, you know, and this amazing interview with George Miller, with James Valentine, where he said, humans are a verb, not a noun. Mm. So I'm not a... So for argument's sake, I'm not a mailman. I'm someone who delivers mail sometimes. Mm. So being able to see that your actions are, but they're changing all the time. They're Mm. live. They're not static. Mm. And I think there's so much that people like us who are very much in the moment, that's very, makes so much sense to me. I'm like, Mm. of course I'm a verb. How could I not be anything else? I'm always doing. But it helps you separate that identity thing. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Mm. So much more to say. So much. I know. So much. I, 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 I wanted to talk about time blindness. I oh wanted to God. talk about frustration and boredom, but we'll save that for another time. Let's do another one. Let's yeah. do little, like, little ADHD, like, box yeah. pop things. And let us know if you found this helpful. Yeah. Thank you. Bye. So good, and Bye.